0: Would you like to learn how to turn your book into a six-figure business? Then you're going to want to hear from my self-publishing expert and business strategies consultant, Johnny Andrews. Stick around. Welcome to Self-Publishing with Dale, and if you want to learn more about publishing your own books, make sure you subscribe and turn your notifications on to get all my latest video. I brought today's guest Johnny Andrews back to the channel after doing a little more digging into who he was and how he serves the self-publishing community recently I caught up with Johnny after catching his webinar how to turn your book into a multi six-figure business in 90 days I scheduled a business consult with them and came to realize something I didn't see before Johnny Andrews is the real deal and is much more than a self-publishing expert. He's a bonafide rock star in the business consulting area. That's what brings him to back to the channel. Welcoming back to the channel, Johnny Andrews. How you feeling?
1: What well, I'm great. That was an awesome intro. Thank you,
0: dude. You're one of few two-time guests because I realized after we got off the the horn and I produced this and I did more digging. The heck, man! You're one humble dude. You are everywhere.
1: Thank you. Um, I, I didn't know I was everywhere, but that's
0: that's very cool. Where am I on the Google? Yeah, you're you're Googleable. Yeah, look it up. Look it up. Take a little time. Google it. (laughs) Yeah, it's it was really awesome, man. And I felt almost like I had to double back around because I found something very fascinating about your past and your story that really resonated with me so much. And I hope that I'm not insulting you by saying this. You have a true zero to hero backstory. And I want you to tell me a little bit about your background, what I'm referring to and where you're at today.
1: Oh yeah. I haven't told that one in quite, man. You're always asking me this stuff from like way back in the day to kind of remember this stuff. Um, Yeah. You're talking about when I was homeless, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So basically what had happened was I had, you know, I was in a situation, you know, in life. A lot of people find themselves in that. And I, I was like, I, I mean, really, I was like almost 300 pounds. I was completely broke. Uh, I was in a relationship with somebody that, you know, loved her to death, but it just was not the right thing. Literally, every, I was pointed in the wrong direction on like literally every level. And so what I realized was I had to cut the cord. And so I did that, you know, literally it was like, you picture just a dude coming down on a parachute in the wrong area. I'm like, oh crap, just, you know, sliced it and just dropped. And I thought it was gonna be for like a couple months because I was doing uh, real estate and uh, mortgages and stuff like that at the time. And I thought, oh, this will be no problem. You know, I'll I'll just, you know, I went and lived in this tiny little office and I had this little wicker chair and uh, you know, it was this little Papa son thing. And I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna be here for like maybe, I actually thought it was maybe, be three weeks. A year later, I'm living out of the back of my 2001 Honda Civic, uh, you know, just trying to get it going. And I was in the process of doing a series of, you know, like those no money down real estate kind of things. And I was just about to close on a series of deals that would have set me up for like, a great passive cash flow. And all of a sudden I get a call from an underwriter who's like, we can't do this because you're late on your mortgage payment. So I'm like, um, I didn't say this to him. I'm like, uh, no, I'm actually homeless. But I'm like, what, 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 you know, I didn't own any property. And I'm, it turned out that a dude had stolen my identity and used it to buy a house and was late on his mortgage payments. And so literally boom, like that, I was completely wiped out. I went from having like, you know, a 750 credit score uh, down to like lowest 400 you could possibly get. Uh, you know, I was, I had already maxed out credit cards and I was playing that game. so i I'm like, okay, you know, just going to do it, do it, do it, do it to try to get there. And yeah, so I had to overdraw my bank account by like 200 bucks just so I could put it up gas in my car to go crash at my folks house in North Carolina. And it's like, this was, it was right during the holidays. And, uh, you know, it was one of those things where I'd come from this family of like six PhDs and I'm adopted. And so I clearly the blackest of black sheep for in this family, like they never really sort of got that entrepreneurial thing from me. So it was, it was literally like hail the triumphant return of the entrepreneur and just spent, you know, six weeks with them getting, you know, fire and brim- brimstone red to me, you know, call it to call it the riot act would not have done it justice. Uh, but yeah, so basically there was that, and then I, you know, essentially spent the next group of years uh, learning more about like how to run a business and how to do this kind of stuff. And uh, uh, it, it was interesting. It was right after another business failure. I won't get a, too much of that one. Uh, that I learned how to do that SEO stuff because we ran out of money for advertising. So we were doing a lot of radio ads and stuff like that because it was a it was a website that connected. Uh, that gave people local, like auto repair quotes from local mechanics. And so I, what I learned about that was how to get PR and how to get search engine results. And so once that business tanked, uh, because the one of the things that I learned there was uh, you want to sell something that people want to buy. And it was, um, it, it was yeah, it was just very, very interesting because what, what it did was when, you know, they say when one door shuts, another one opens, yeah. And what ended up happening was I was able to use my skills to create these little online courses. And I would sell them in this forum. You've ever heard of it called the Warrior Forum. And yeah. so this was back 2000, I want to say, uh, five and six and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, what I did was so I had a PayPal debit card and I had ClickBank. And what I would do is if I wanted to eat, I had to sell some stuff. And so I could get money on that PayPal card so I could go swipe at the grocery store and go buy a sandwich. Like it was literally that level kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, I just sort of built it up and built it up and built it up and built it up. And, and finally, and so I didn't have a bank account, mind you, because, you know, I'd overdrawn that. There's that system, it's like a credit reporting thing. So I couldn't get a bank account. And I was starting to get these checks from ClickBank. So I was learning how to do information products. And I was publishing, self-publishing these information products. And so I'd go to the currency exchange and I'd be cashing these things. And over the course of time, these checks just kept getting bigger. And so I remember one day, very specifically, I'm standing there, and I got a couple dudes with the teardrop tattoos on their face standing behind me, and I slid this guy a $14,000 check. And he's like, yeah, we're going to have to authorize that. Picks up the phone, literally, and, you know, there was the person in the back, and I would never, he's like, it's that guy again. And you could hear it through the bulletproof glass. The guy, on he's like, yeah, clear it. He's fine. Because they knew what it was. They're like, we've never heard of this click bank. What sort of bank is what clicks? Like, Nobody understood what it was, and but it was I built up the relationship with them at that point. They're like, I yeah, just give them the stinking money, and you know. Uh, so one morning I was waking up, getting ready to go to the gym, and I found that there were like I had this envelope in my sock drawer with sixty four thousand dollars in it. I'm like, okay, I might want to <laughs> get together at this point, you know. But it, and so it was at that point where I was kind of like, okay, I need to, you know, I've gone through this whole thing of like I. Need that. Once, once I was serious about what I was doing, I kind of had my head wrapped around it and I was sick of always like getting the crap beat out of me. I started to like, um, bring in people to help me and things like that. And, you know, get my head right and guidance. Cause that's always been a problem with me is, you know, the headspace, like where am I right now? Um, so that's, and yeah, so really I just, I, I was able to finally build up a, a business that was doing multiple seven figures and, uh, finally got a bank account. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> it's the little things.
0: Did you wait till you had seven figures to open up a bank account, man?
1: No, but it was a healthy, <laughs> healthy multiple six before yeah. I did that. Cause most of it at that point was in, uh, you know, it was in, it was Clickbank, it was PayPal, you know, all those kinds of things. So I, you know, just, if they're watching, I'd like to thank both of those fine institutions for allowing me, you know, for not checking my credit cause it wouldn't have ended well. Uh, cause that's what everything else was. Cause I try to get jobs and they're like, dude, you're a mess. Like I'm like, yeah, this is identity theft. I'm like, Ugh. but it took forever to clean that up, and sometimes those things even still pop up to this day. So it's. By the way, anyway, was that what the story you were looking for?
0: Yeah, that was it. You know, I, I boy, you really you went in depth even more so than I've seen in other interviews, and that's what really intrigued me most is you you took yourself from not just at zero, but it was literally below zero mm-hmm. to that. Ultimate hero mode. So
1: awesome. Yeah, I think I was uh, almost 70,000 in debt. Might might have been like 64,000 or something like that.
0: You know, I won't complain about my $22,000 in debt at one point or
1: another. It was was definitely an interesting experience. Yeah.
0: It's uh, definitely, uh, it's really, really uh, inspiring. And I hope uh, a lot of the viewers can kind of get that. And hopefully, if they're in that space, they know that they're not alone. So um, I want to kind of transition over into talking a little bit about. What I'd uh, watched your webinar most recently. We're going to reference back to how to turn your book into a multi six figure business in 90 days. Uh, great webinar, but rather than going through and restating every last little bit, I wanted to kind of touch on a few things that kind of mm-hmm. sparked my interest. And one of the things that came out is what is the promise and why has it been overhyped?
1: Um, well, the promise is is to, it, it, what it is, it's the concept of entering the conversation in the prospect's mind. And so in most cases, people with books, or who are thinking of writing books, are in a pain state where it's not working. You know, the, the, the marketing they're doing is not producing a positive kind of result. And so what the framework is that, the, so the conversation that I'm, that I'm having with everybody on this webinar is the reality of publishing. Mm-hmm. And so it's not actually overhyped because it's very possible to do this. Okay. Uh, and now what I'm saying is you're not going to have all of this. Cause what I do is I break down. Like if, if you remember this, I show you, okay, here's how to make a hundred thousand dollars with a book. You don't, you know, very, very basic math. I'm like, here's how you make $300,000. If you have a backend thing based off of your book. And I'm like, this is how you do it. You know, so i raise the stakes dramatically and show how that can happen, even with something that's like 297 bucks. And so that's really what it's about is looking at what is your business you know, the book is a piece of a business, but a lot of people have made the mistake of thinking that it's the beginning and the end, you know, and it's just, and it's, it's just not, it can't be if the hope is to be uh, a professional of some sort, there has to be something else. And so the example that I use, you know, in, in the webinar is simply like an information product. Like when you and I were talking, it was something completely different because that wasn't, you know, and you you know, I didn't feel that that was the best or the most useful, uh, direction to go down that you could probably have better impact and more transformational value doing something a little different, like having a different business model. But the, you know, it's one of those things where the webinar can't be like 36 hours long. So it's like I had to pick one and be like, all right, we'll use this as an example because people can wrap their head around, uh, you know, for a $300 product. Like that's okay, that's fine. They're like a $10 book, and how many sales does it take to get here and there? And so, really, what it is is the process behind how within a 90 day window, if you remove the hurdles and the obstacles and the, uh, you know, the mental roadblocks that most people throw into their situation, that you can build this that usually faster than that, and get to the point where you're testing it because to have the cash flow, even using the example that ends up being three hundred thousand dollar a year business, it's it, what was it three sales a day? Yeah. something like, That's what it was like. It's three say like people could wrap their brain around like, oh, so if you reverse engineer, like what does it look like to actually do that within a 90 day window? You could build it and be testing traffic to this to make sure that your offer is going to convert and then making those adjustments so that, you know, by the end of that. So that's, you know, there's this, uh, the, what is it? There's this great book called the 12 week year where the point of it is you take, you know, the reason why fourth quarter is like always go is because. You know, they're at the end, they see it. Oh my God, it's coming. But if you mentally take your entire year and condense it into a 12 week little moment, that's a legit way to like drive yourself. And so you, you literally compart- you, you go through four years in one, essentially, and you just shred that stuff down. And you like, you create those daily rituals. Like, what do I do today to get me there, you know, faster? And so that's how you can take that massive action. That's how you can take something that might be failing horribly. And within a 90-day window, be able to say, oh, my gosh, this is someplace where you can have, you can actually be seeing the beginnings of that cash flow start happening within that time. And that's really all anything is. It's micro daily actions taken consistently over time that produce massive results. It's, you know, it's just like pebble stacking one thing on top of another.
0: Yeah, that's that's great. That's an excellent way to put it. I think uh, Bruce Lee once said, you know, I don't fear the man that has you know kicked a thousand times one time but i fear the man that has kicked uh, a thousand days straight one time each day uh of course i paraphrase i probably butchered it but nonetheless uh, that definitely makes sense Um, boy you really answered a great question already so my next one is what is a customer avatar i hear you say that quite a bit and why is it critical to building and growing an author platform
1: you need to know who you're talking to and the thing that i say is if you're not talking to one you're you're talking to none and what that means is you have to speak directly to a certain segment. So your market, like, for example, let's say, uh, well, I mean, in this case, you know, nonfiction authors, people who are using a book to either promote their business or, you know, th- that have a book and are trying to have it be their business. It's almost the same kind of person because they're, uh, you know, the-, the conversations they're having are very similar. It's like you enter that conversation of like, this sucks. There's pain. It's like, this is not working for me. And so you address that individual specifically and you just speak to the problems that they're having in that kind of thing. It's like, what do you want out of all of this? It's like, okay, the end result is I would like a profitable business. I wrote a book thinking that would help and it didn't work. Crap, you know, that's, that's sort of the pain point right there. Uh, and so, you know, what the customer avatar then is somebody in that situation who has either written the book or is, you know, in the process of writing the book with these hopes and dreams of like, you know, delusions of grandeur, as we call it. It's more so for the person who has the book because they're, they're, uh, they're, they're having that negative experience already versus the one who hasn't written the book. They're not quite sure that they think that this, there's some alarm bells going off, but they're not really at the level where they're going to pull the reins back and go, oh, you know, because people sometimes need to actually get hit by the truck in order to say, oh yeah, don't step in the street. <laughs> kind of thing and so you're that's that would that's a customer avatar somebody who is in that situation who's experiencing that pain and who resonates with that kind of stuff and then you know let's say for example you know and and i'll just use myself because i could i've been in so many different business models and i happen to gravitate toward this particular marketplace because i like it you know i like helping the people in it and stuff um but also i work with uh you know Coaches and consultants and stuff like that. Like, to be like, dude, get, let's, no, we have to fix this. Like, what's the communication pattern, all that stuff? But this webinar isn't for them, you know? And so, if I wanted to do that, I would then create a webinar which would speak to that specific mindset because all of these things are literally universally applicable. But the reason I'm not going out there and spreading it really thin is because the, the conversation wouldn't work. Yeah, you know, it's like if, if, if I'm not speaking directly to, you know, author entrepreneurs, that kind of thing, and addressing their pain about like, okay, the, the pain is that their book isn't doing what they wanted it to. This guy seems to know how to do that, so I'll try this. Now I've opened the door a little bit, and we can, we can talk kind of thing. And, you know, I can address the bigger concerns, paint the picture, and frame it so that it makes more sense. So is is that answering your question? It's yeah,
0: um, you've done a great job in, in uh, I think uh, giving me a good overview as far as a customer avatar for a person that's publishing in the nonfiction realm. How does a person, a fiction writer, identify their customer avatar?
1: Exact same way. Um, okay. it's, except you're there It might simply be that the pain and suffering the reader is going through is literally the just a form of escape. You know what what kind of characters do they like? What kind of story arcs do they like? That kind of things. So you you know uh, for example romance you know paranormal romance like vampire like uh, things that go hump in the night as i like to call it
0: (laughs) that's Um, it yeah (laughs) and
1: and, you know so it's like steamy paranormal (laughs) vampire romance which is super funny because that's the first set i ever set up so many years ago was for that and um the customer avatar is literally you know women typically between the ages of 35 to 54 who are really into that kind of like sexy ste- steamy stuff and they typically read digital because they don't want people seeing the cover when they're like you know they're married uh, they typically have children who are getting to be a little bit older probably high school age in the in most part that sort of stuff the way you could do that I mean you can actually get Facebook to tell you this stuff you go into that uh, you go in the ads thing go to the what do you call that audience insights yeah and you click on that and you literally just put in the names of your favorite authors and look at their the demographics you know, but if you really want to go deep, so it's, it's cool. Cause one of my consulting clients is a uh, pilot who is his, his thing is he's got this awesome way to like overcome uh, mental obstacles and fear. It's really cool. And he's, um, his customer avatar, the way he wrote it out, because the guy's an excellent writer, and I'm reading this thing, and I mean, it was like reading a book that just described like this perfect human being. And I'm like, what the heck? This is amazing. And it was like, and he did one for the women and one for the men because his ideal customer avatar is married, and you know, they're, he's speaking to like, uh you know, sort of just life issues in general. It's it's really it was just phenomenally well done, and so now we go out, and we find, you know. Where are these people? And we better define that. You could talk what's their income level, uh, what do they do for a living? You know, a lot of, uh, for example, in Paranormal Romance, a lot of the women are stay-at-home moms. You know, not all of them, but a uh, a larger than 50% portion of that group is. So, I mean, that's that's just, I mean, hopefully that makes sense. But that's really just, you you just speak. And then when you do things, you speak to those people. And when you write your communications, you know, I would say almost name your avatar. Like call him Gary or something like that. You just literally speak to this person, and when you're clear and you're focused like that, your conversation can be very effective. And therefore, and once you establish effective communication, you can actually help somebody. That's the and that's the big end game of all of this. Is you know, especially, uh, you know, in in what you're trying to do and you know what I'm doing and all these things is that it, the goal is to help people. You mm-hmm. want to be able to help people, but if you can't effectively communicate the message, you're helping no one.
0: That makes absolute sense. I was glad we covered the customer avatar for fiction because I think a lot of people think that it doesn't apply to the fiction brand.
1: Oh, very much so, yeah, yeah, totally. Absolutely, no, it's a huge thing. It's, it's definitely important because you have to know what they like reading. And a lot of times it's gonna be, you know, look at what they're reading currently and model that. And then sometimes, you, so you almost reverse engineer their tastes before you reverse engineer the people in mm-hmm. some way, so that could work as well.
0: That's very helpful. All right, I gotta get you to clear up a debate. A friend of mine, I'm not going to name any names. Oh, man, here we go. (laughs) Believes that email marketing is dead. Is email marketing dead, Johnny? And is email list building meant for all self-published authors?
1: Email list building is the most important thing that you're ever going to do for your business. Mm -hmm. Literally, it's more important than writing the book. It is. Um, Because you control it. Mm -hmm. I'll kind of, let 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 me put the frame on this for you so email marketing is one of those things where here's the equation you ready for this okay hit send make money that's it love you that, that it. equation that's my and favorite. Thing. exactly <laughs> no if you don't if you're not focused on growing your subscriber base and then turning those subscribers into customers you're really not in business um at all and you know if, and and you know if, because for example, like you were selling that course and that that stuff. And so you would build your YouTube subscribers. But I think if you built email, you would have been like, boom, you know, you could shoot out a lot more stuff. And that's why almost a hundred percent of my focus, you know, that's why I call it author platform market. And that would like the cornerstone of what we did when do is we grow platforms and stuff like that, because Hmm. what is becoming more and more, apparent, mostly because Facebook has flat out come out and said this in various conferences, yeah. uh, is it, that, you know, the, the, the likes, the number of likes are completely irrelevant. You know, and if you don't have something like an email list, your or ability to reach and communicate is getting squished. Like, for example, Facebook—best example in the world because they're the most recent. I think the most people still remember back in the day. Well, you know, what was that, 2012 or 11 or something like that, yeah. uh, when you could post something and people would see it. I mean, amazing, right? But now Facebook yeah. has changed because they went public. What they are—they're no longer social media. They're a social advertising platform. You know, it's a, and no one really makes that distinction. They're like, oh, I have got to grow my Facebook fans. No, you don't. Know. You don't have to. You could have three. It's not going to matter. Like. Most people don't even pay attention to that stuff. Um, but if you have an email list, you control that. You can hit send, and you can make money. It used to be you could post on Facebook, and people would, you know, move to whatever you wanted them to do. Twitter, it's just too damn noisy. It's you can Almost nobody gets traction in Twitter. It's one of the most useless places to spend any amount of time whatsoever. Um, uh, even Instagram, you know, is is It change, has changed already. They have changed their algorithm significantly. It's extremely hard to move people around in there, and it's also owned by Facebook, and it's becoming a social advertising platform. So that's why, is because these places change. Google used to be, if you had search engine uh, rankings, now it's pay to play. Every place, every single place that has popped up is pay to play. And so it doesn't really matter what your social following numbers are, because those are vanity metrics. They don't equate to earnings. You can't look at like, oh, this person has this many likes. They must be making whatever. It, it literally does not translate. But if you look at an email list and you look at your metrics and you know that, okay, if I get this many people in the front end and I move them through a, you know, a communication process directly made for them, then it'll, you know, it'll poop out buyers on this end. It's great. Just think of it like a little animal. You feed it humans, it poops money. That's, that's how it works.
0: <laughs> that's, that is the most articulate yet crass way of explaining eh? right <laughs> <up. laughs> it Get your little email animal feed it humans and it poops money that's all there is to it that, that is wonderful so you didn't answer me is email marketing dead
1: no come on now that's just a hook people use to get them to open the emails that they're sending in the first place
0: <laughs> <laughs> wonderful i'm glad you're able to clear that one up yes um so let's go ahead i, I want to get at this look at this on a granular level because there's gonna be some newbies that might watch this we talked a little bit about sales and sales funnels. What is a sales funnel and what are the common mistakes you see when people equip their email marketing with a sales funnel?
1: Getting, I think the biggest mistake I see is are, you know, people just constantly you know, bombarding people with various sales messages and things like that. Um, you, can, you can sell within a framework of helpful communication. You know, I call it that conversational conversion you yeah. had a situation where it's, you know, you, you can deliver good info, you can establish yourself as a knowledgeable authority on a subject to the level that people are like, wow, I think I might want to buy something from them. Uh, and so what I typically recommend is mix it up a little bit because lots and lots of folks think that they have to, you know, okay, let's pretend they're going to do content marketing to try to get people from this point to this point. That's fine, but that's you producing all the content. A better way to do it is to have other people, like, you know, for example, like you interview people. Uh, what I like to do is use stuff like this. And I'll be like, boom, hey, here's an interview. It's, it's social proof because it's like, oh, I'm talking to another person besides myself. And, you know, because that, that's always sort of the, um, the question people have within a buying situation is you know their finger hovers over the buy now button they're thinking to themselves am I the only idiot that's going to do this you know but if you can show social proof it's like no here's a whole host of other idiots that bought the same thing you know? <laughs> and so if you could demonstrate that without being douchey that is a huge thing and, and and I think the biggest so I guess the biggest mistake is having the mindset that selling requires selling that you have to take on this persona. Of, hey, buy my stuff, and you don't. You can if that's you. I think that's great. Like I love doing the radio voice of, and if you buy now, I'll throw in a Cuisinart, kind of thing. And it's fun, and I'm making fun of it, but I don't actually do that. You know, you don't have to have like you remember all those like persuasive selling techniques where they're talking like how you could like take an objection and flip it into a reason for them to. I hate that crap. Like, have you, like have you ever talk to someone that really does that? you, you know, luckily most of the time it happens, it'll be like, you know, over the phone or something like that. But if they were in front of me, I'd look for the nearest pencil. (laughs) It just sucks. Like you don't have to do that. And that is, I would say the biggest mistake that I hear all the time is, well, I would love to sell things, but I don't want to be salesy. And I don't want to be a salesperson. I'm like, well then don't, you have the option. It's not like the minute you have something for people to buy that all of a sudden. and you turn into this like do- Dr. Jekyll to Mr. Hyde where your hands get all hairy and you're like, "By my crap. You know, it doesn't happen that way. You just have to be like, okay, this is what I got. This is what it'll do for you. This is what to do next. Just keep it like that. Super easy.
0: How do you find that delicate balance between giving the sales or looking for a buy and, you know, being authentic, being yourself? So for instance, I feel that you've built that trust in me, that no like, and trust. So to me, Johnny, I would purchase your products. How, how did you get to that level? I want you to reveal a little bit of that Jedi mind trick that you've done on me.
1: I didn't, that, dude, that's it, it just, I just show up. I'm, I'm literally incapable of being anything other than this. Like, yeah. I, you know, it's one of those things where you like, you have to be your authentic self. And I'm like, okay. So, you know, <laughs> it's, and it's like, i I've never truly tried to be anybody else, but it, but it just doesn't work. The other thing that I do is I actually practice my communication. You know, it sounds like this is just witty banter, but oh no, this is calculated. I'm completely kidding. Like this is, but if I'm going to do a webinar or something like that, I actually go through that. I'm like, am I framing this in a way that someone, because you, you, people have to understand it. It has to enter that conversation. And so I'm always asking myself, can I frame this better so that a person is going to get value out of it? Because I don't worry. Like I have a whole different business you know, the the you know, with the marketing and the schmutzels and the stuff. So I don't really need to worry, I guess, too much about it, it I, I shouldn't say it like that, but it's like I don't need to necessarily like I got it, you know, I don't have that. Like the minute you're like desperate for someone to buy something, it's not it's gonna be weird, you know, it's and so you kinda have to maybe do a little hoosa. And get yourself out of that place. And I think that if you put yourself into a into a mental framework where your goal is to truly help the other person, just be like, okay, I'm going to give you the best stuff that I have. This is the best thing that I know within this context of the conversation that we're having based around you know your problem. And if you just authentically do that, I mean that's there, there's the Jedi trick, is like show people you can help them by actually helping them. You know, and, it, it like, and I talked about this on the webinar too, is try to have, you know, that conversational conversion, which is a, um, because right now everybody is trying to be like, hey, I've got this secret, and if you give me your email, I'll give you the secret. You know, and it's like, okay, that works, but why not you just give them the secret? Because it kind of feels like if that's the one thing, what else you got, like, do, do I really need to hear anything else from you if you've given me the thing? So just give them the thing and be like, okay, there's a bunch more stuff. And then it's like, I've given to you. And now if you want more stuff, okay, let's take a journey together. And then you can, so that is a conversational thing. That is a, uh, that's a communication based situation versus a transactional, which is what everybody else is trying to do. Did that that make sense? I feel like, yeah, I I feel like that, I just whipped that one out of the left side of my butt just there. So, I mean, I think it's accurate, but.
0: Amazing. And I'm glad you're keeping a PG so that way we keep monetization. (laughs) Um, but uh, yeah that makes that makes sense and and i I like the fact that it's so simple just anybody can do it and the 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 quid pro quo i give you my secret you give me your email i like the fact that you say open the doors up by giving it to them up front and then Mm -hmm. say i've got more stuff in the back totally
1: yeah and it's like i mean it's it's you know i i guess i learned my selling technique from the from the uh guys at the chinese food restaurant in the mall who are like free sample. You know, I guess that's almost what it is. Yeah, I should probably do a a podcast on that because I'm late for yeah my my editors are already jumping on me uh, for that one. But like, uh, yeah, I think I might call that the uh, Chinese food uh, sales close.
0: Love it. You guys see it first here on this channel. (laughs) All right, uh, so let's let's look at this from another standpoint. Nonfiction, for some reason, it's just my brain can wrap around that fairly easy. I almost feel like building a sales funnel and going up to that higher end, it it's easy. I mean, even if you don't have a product itself, you can still be able to build it up to that point. Is it possible? Call me crazy. If it is, is it possible for a fiction author to build a high ticket sales funnel like nonfiction authors can?
1: Yeah, kind of. Okay. Well, it's hard. I mean, it's going to be hard. You're going to have to get really creative. I mean, outside of developing like an amusement park, based around your character's world, I, it might be kind of difficult, but there are authors I believe that do that, that, that have these kinds of things for super fans. Um, it's a little bit more difficult and I think that the, the upsell, I guess, is oftentimes more commercialization of their work to sell like the movie rights and that kind of thing.
0: Oh. Uh,
1: to books, that kind of stuff, to do translations. So there are additional sources of revenue outside of the books. Definitely. Absolutely, definitely. I mean, you could, you know, selling it for TV, movie, all that kind of stuff. I know a, a lot of, I know a, a bunch of authors that, that, that are doing that. Um, but typically, you know, for a story like to, to have that move well and to have that actually be lucrative, you need to have, you need to be already pretty successful at that point. You know, it'd be like
0: the Stephen King model.
1: You know, all you have to do is get famous and then everything else just
0: happens. And of course, you've got the answer for getting famous, Right. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Keep at it. That's
1: pretty much it. <laughs> no, all you have to do, honestly, it's, it's not particularly, it's not particularly, it's not easy, but it's simple. And that's just continue to grow your platform, communicate with them. And, you know, they'll, when they show up, there, there you go. It's like, <laughs> that's it. Build your email list. Hit send. Get famous if that's what you want to do. It, it, but what you do is when you have the power to move these eyeballs around the Internet, people see that. You know, people can see that, that, that you hit send and movement happens, that you hit send and this become, you know, that, that actions occur, that, you know, and then you can partner with other places out there that see that and, you know, in, you know grow your influence and that sort of stuff. So it's possible. It's definitely possible. Um, I don't think it's exactly the same. You'd sell swag. You know, there's uh, like Teespring is a good one. You know, you can do t-shirts. Uh, I recommend like a place like Teespring, uh Tea Chip or Gear Bubble would be three to do. Uh so for example, like a fiction author who is, uses a lot of symbolism. Mm-hmm. Uh, putting those, you know, putting that kind of that that kind of uh, symbolism or iconography or whatever words you want to use onto things like mugs. Like for example, I saw a really awesome one. It's heat activated. And uh the the, the one dude it had it was like a zombie thing, and when you poured the coffee in the mug it, the, the black fell away and it had like this bloody handprint that was like squeaking down it. So it was really cool. I was like, I would totally buy that. And then my Facebook page refreshed and I couldn't make a random impulse purchase the way that I had hoped. But yeah, that's That's how I would do it if I was in
0: fiction. I know we've kind of touched on this ever so briefly, but I feel like we should just maybe take a moment just to kind of double back around and talk a little bit about it. Should email marketing be at the forefront of a newbie self publishers business? Or should they simply fire off their first few books and then collect emails? I
1: think it all happens simultaneously. It's a kind of a hot mess at the beginning yeah. because what happens is, you know, you begin the business and there's all these, step one, and there's like 110 million of them. <laughs> and it, it's the same thing, fiction, nonfiction. It's the same answer is that you sort of just get going mm-hmm. and you kind of build those people communicate with those people find out more about what they want because at the beginning of it all it's a very much a discovery like who you are as an entrepreneur who you are as a writer who your audience is what they're looking to consume and then over that time people are going to come and go based on the choices you make and uh you know you just have to keep focused on growing but obviously to build a list you kind of need something to give them uh so i don't know write a short you know, do a free video, whatever it is that you do, just do that and then use that as the beginning of your funnel. Like, and then for example, in nonfiction, one of my favorite methods, I like to get paid to create the thing. And we had talked about that before. And so what I'll do is I'll come out with a minimum viable product, the absolute minimum, like what thing can have this massive, beneficial, transformational kind of impact on somebody. And then I'll create the sales process to it, and then the beginning pieces of it, and then push it out there to see how my communication is. Like, how am I showing up with what I've just made? And if people buy it, great. Guess what? We go through it, we build it, and it just fleshes out. It, you know, and it all works beautifully. And if people don't buy it, that sends another message, and I go and I make an adjustment. You know, and so not everything. I shock I know, but not everything I sell turns to liquid gold. But it's like, sometimes I'm like, oh, maybe I, maybe I messed that up or something like that. So I have to reframe the communication and be like, what is this? What am I really doing? Maybe I got the customer avatar wrong, you know, bounce it off the people and that sort of stuff. So yeah, I'm definitely want to be focused on list building pretty much as step either zero or step one, somewhere in there. You just have to have something to give them.
0: Excellent. Fantastic. So I'd like to be asking this a lot of my guests lately and I think I missed it on the last interview with you. Given the choice, would you choose passion or profit? I'm not sure there's a difference. I I, I don't I
1: don't even under I don't even know why I, I, I you know because I I do what I like already, you know. It's not like this bores me. It's not like I'm sitting at a job somewhere, you know. Um but I'm also profitable. So it's like I why, why? I wouldn't pick. Are you kidding me? I like ham and eggs. Like I'm going to have them both. I get the cake. I get to eat it too. It's, it's really awesome. But it, you know, it takes a lot of, well, here's what's interesting about it. If you go down this passion road and you're going to do something you're passionate about, eventually in a lot of cases, you become profitable. You know, as long as you're doing it consistently, but if you seek only profit, you typically don't get anywhere because if you're only looking at profit you're not really looking at the benefit to the other people. And I think it was Tony Robbins that said, you know, the more, you, the more people you can help, the more money you can make. That's just how it is. And if you're passionate about some particular thing, like, you know, there's people that I work with that are passionate about, you know, working with families to, you know, keep the spouses together and stuff like that to prevent arguments and fights and things. That's awesome. They're passionate about it, but, you know, in a lot of cases, they're not particularly profitable. So it's like, okay, well, if we take what you're doing and we turn it into this, which oftentimes are like, you know, this little baby step over to the left. Oh my word. Now it's like, you know, I think we talked about this last time. Then the fat gorillas and the soggy diapers with the big bags of money drop out of the ceiling and, you know, internet money, you you become an internet millionaire overnight. (laughs) So I think, I, I don't know. I think maybe if you had to pick only one of them, I would probably pick passion because I already know that the profit shows up afterwards.
0: That's tremendous. That's a good good answer. Uh it, it always throws people for a loop. And it's something I, I want to really get it to where people can kind of understand your mindset on the process. So uh man, this has been wonderful. We've burned through our time pretty darn quick and a lot of great answers. How can viewers get a hold of you? And man, I, I can't say enough great things about you. They better get a hold of you. <laughs> well, thank you for that. Um yeah, I mean, uh, it,
1: probably if they want to check out the webinar, uh, it's you know obviously it's a free thing to, to go through. Uh, authorplatformrocket.com uh, slash go. I'll put up that link specifically. Okay. Um, I think there's also register, but we'll, we'll do go. I think that's easy because I'll remember that and set that up so that people can actually get there. But yeah, you can check out the webinar. Um, it's also authorplatformrocket.com. It's under the nonfiction piece uh, just because, it, you know, when we typically work with nonfiction folk, we have to go through like a business eval before anything can happen. You know, our agency program for the fiction authors, that's, it's a very specific business model, you know, for fiction. And, you know, the team is very good at it. And so we don't have to do a whole lot of like, you know, ecosystem auditing kind of thing, but with, you know, the nonfiction people, especially, uh, you know, speakers, authors, coaches, all those kinds of things, we have to see what it is that we're actually doing because if you just jump in blind, it's like, oh, um um wait, well hold on. There's so many moving parts all the time. So we have to kind of get our head around it and be like, okay, this is where you are. This is where you want to go this is where you want to go. Let's reverse engineer that process. And so yeah, under the nonfiction thing, we always make people go through the webinar just so they can, you know, that we're all on the same page when we chat kind of thing.
0: Yeah, it was tremendous. It was a well, well put together webinar. I was really happy that you sent that to me and the follow-up consult was worth its weight in gold well worth the time and I definitely appreciate you taking the time with me then and of course taking the time with me now man so I really do appreciate it so uh, we're gonna go ahead and start to wrap things up if you enjoyed this video make sure that you share it with somebody else who's into publishing too in the meantime and in between time this has been Self Publishing with Dale and I'll see you soon